Uh, we, we've had a blast in this series talking all about the rhythms of life. The, the definition of the word rhythm is simply this, a strong, repeated pattern of movement or sound. So we've been looking at the reality is that we are what we repeatedly do. So we've just been talking about how all the things that we look in our lives and we can easily, I know I can kind of blame certain things or certain people. In this series, God's really shined the, the spotlight on me saying, no, it's not, it's not them, it's not this situation. It, could it be that it's something that's going on in your own life that you're just letting repeatedly happen? And a lot of things, hopefully this series has kind of shined a light on the fact that we have rhythms, uh, whether we realize it or not. And most of them, if we don't attend to them, they're not positive. So we've talked about a bunch of different rhythms in our lives. The big idea of this series, if you're taking notes, and we've, we've, we've said this every time because hopefully this is something that sticks in our minds is simply this, is that we are the result of our rhythms. We are the result of our rhythms. So if we want a new result, we need a new rhythm. So what are the areas in our life that we need a breakthrough in and, and how do we get a rhythm, a new rhythm, a God rhythm? And that's really the powerful thing that we're talking about because there are a lot of self-help books or things in our culture today that not necessarily bad or wrong because we do need to grow and learn. But I dare say that there's something much deeper than just self-help, but there's a God help that goes so much deeper to the core of who we are because God made us. Because God's the originator, God's the designer, so he knows what's best in our lives and, and he has a rhythm for us. And when we tap into God's rhythm, then it's the best thing. So our Theme verse for this passage, for this uh, series, has been Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Read it with me. It says, Jesus talking. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What's there not to love about a God who offers us that kind of life? What's there not to love about a God that says, I'm not interested in laying religion on you. I'm not interested in laying something heavy or ill-fitting on you. But I want to give you something that when you tap into it, this is just, you're going to find a free way to live. You're going to find a light way to live. And man, what, what, there's, what's, what is there not to love about a God like that? So we've been looking at different rhythms. Week one, we talked about what we focus on first. And how when we put God first in our life, it really changes the rest. Week two, we talked about what we put in our mind. And we, we talked about what we're thinking about and how we need to choose our thoughts and, and control our thoughts. And how God says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So our thoughts are so powerful. And what we rhythmically think about really defines us. Last week, we talked about the rhythm of our relationships. We talked all about, man, we are the people who we consistently let speak into our life. And our relationships really matter. And today I want to talk about our time. So here's the fourth rhythm, and we're going to conclude with this. Is rhythm number four, and I just put it like this, take your time. Why don't you say that with me? Take your time. And I want to kind of spin this statement on its head because some people are like, yes, I'm a slowpoke, and I've always, I've always been waiting for somebody to tell me to take my time. So we're going to talk about time today and, and the reality that that, that we have only so much time. And what we do with it rhythmically really defines everything about us. Um, 
One of my favorite uh, illustrations of life is simply this. It says, life explain. And this may or may not be theologically correct. It says, on the first day, God created the dog and said, sit all day by the door of your house and bark at anyone who comes in or walks past. (laughs) For this, I will give you a lifespan of 20 years. The dog said, that's a long time to be barking. How about only 10 and I'll give you the other 10 back? God agreed. I told you it wasn't correct. But roll with me. On the second day, God created the monkey and said, entertain people, do tricks, and make them laugh. For this, I'll give you 20 years. The monkey said, monkey tricks for 20 years? That's a pretty long time to perform. How about I give you 10 back like the dog did? And God agreed. On the third day, God created the cow and said, You must go into the field with the farmer all day long and suffer under the sun, have calves, and give milk to support the farmer's family. For this, I'll give you the lifespan of 60 years. The cow said, Man, that's kind of, that's kind of a tough life for me for 60 years. How about 20, and I'll give you back the other 40. So God agreed. On the fourth day, God created man. Eat, sleep, and said this, eat, sleep, play, marry, enjoy your life. For this, I will give you 20 years. But man said, only 20 years, God? Could you possibly give me my 20? The 40 the cow gave back, the 10 the monkey gave back, and the 10 the dog gave back. That will make 80, okay. And God said, you asked for it. So that's why our first 20 years, we eat, sleep, play, and enjoy ourselves. For the next 40 years, we slave in the sun to support our family. For the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain the grandchildren. And for the last 10 years, we sit on the front porch and bark at everybody that goes by. Life has just been explained to you. Time. Time. Where does it go? Time is such a powerful thing. I recently saw this, that in the average American lifetime, we will eat out 14,411 times, including 1,811 trips to McDonald's. Live long and prosper, everybody. (laughs) 13 years and four months we'll spend watching TV, five years of waiting in lines, an entire year of our life looking for misplaced items. We'll attend 35 weddings, and we'll drive 637,000 miles. Time. What do we do with our time? And more importantly, how do we take our time instead of our time taking us? How do we take our time? I want to talk about this rhythm in the context of a story that takes place in the Old Testament in the life of a lady named Esther. Esther 4.14, it's there in your notes. It simply tells a little bit about her. I want to focus on it in just the last part. It says, who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther was a young lady who was born an orphan in the country of Persia. She was not just an orphan, she was a Jewish orphan, which was kind of which was very rare because the Jewish people uh, were in exile and they were very small at the time. Esther was raised by her older cousin named Mordecai and she was a very beautiful lady. Once, when the king's assistants were looking for a new queen, they searched the whole land, and her beauty was so, so breathtaking that they chose her 
to possibly be the next queen. So she went and she was prepared for a year to be the queen. And indeed, she had um, the, the king loved her and she became the queen of, queen of Persia. And this was a huge deal. Uh, the, the king of Persia, he wasn't like some small little king. He, he reigned over 120 provinces. I mean, he was, he was a huge, huge deal. And it was amazing for this, for this orphan girl to, to become in this royal position. This, this someone who was kind of, it was something that no one would ever have suspected. But she did. And after she was put into power, after she was the queen, there was this man that was part of the king of the government there. His name was Haman. And he did not like the Jewish people. So his idea was he wanted to go to the king and essentially get papers to be able to eradicate the Jewish people. So he was going to, he was going to essentially take charge, kill all the Jews. And, and, and what do you know? There happened to be a Jewish orphan right there in the palace. So Mordecai, her older cousin that raised her, came to her and, and says this verse that we see right here. It says this. So, so she was in the palace. She was a Jewish queen, once orphaned. And there's a man, Haman, trying to destroy the Jews. So Mordecai, her older uncle, her older cousin, comes to her and says this to her. Says, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your families, you and your father's family will perish. And watch this. But who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. That we see Esther having this time. And her older cousin had to speak into her life and to show her that she had all the potential in the world at her fingertips. And that she had an opportunity of a lifetime that God was going to use somebody to do something great. And she had an opportunity to be part of it. And so so I just want to share some principles to you about how we spend our time. It's so, so powerful. Here's the first principle is this. That you are currently living in the time of your greatest potential. This is what Mordecai was trying to communicate to Esther. That you are currently living... In the time of your greatest potential. You can't do anything about your past. But you can do something about your future. You may not be able to change your ancestors. But you can change your children. You may not be able to change your history. But you can always change your legacy. You are currently living in a space of time. That is your time. That that if you're older. It's still your time. That you, you haven't got too old for your time. Your time has not passed. Because if you're still here, that means that it's still your time. If you're younger, you're not waiting for your time to come. If you're in middle school right now or high school right now or college, you're not waiting for your time to come in some day. But right now, you are living in the time of your greatest potential. It's your time. Could you just kind of personalize this and just have some fun with me this morning and say, it's my time. One more time. It's my time. I, I, want, I want this to just kind of get all over us today when we realize that we truly are not one day, someday, not in our past, but right now is the time of our greatest potential. One of my family's greatest challenges, and you can pray for us, is this. 
what movie to choose as a family to watch. I don't know if anybody can identify with me, but I, I spend more time watching the previews than I do. We, we sometimes sit there and we've watched 10 different previews and we're like, okay, that was good. Let's go to bed. We, we watched all the previews and we don't even have time to watch the movie anymore. And I got to think it's so many of our lives are lived in preview mode. So many of our lives are just lived in preview. We think, oh, what could it be? Oh, what will it be? Or what was it? And, 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 in, and we just live our lives sitting there in preview mode wondering what is going on and what's happening in our life. As if that our life will get started one day when. I want to tell you, your life started when you started. And I, I pray for an awakening today that we realize that what 2 Corinthians 6.2 says is so true that now is the time of the Lord's favor. That, that like right now is the day of salvation. It's so hard. It's so hard to realize the power of the moment that you're in when you're in the moment. It was like a revelation hit me. Um, it's been this year. Whenever I realized that I, when I had my oldest son, I was older than my father was when he had me. And I realized that because I don't feel, I just, I remember looking at my dad being a child and just how larger than life my dad was. Can anybody kind of identify with this a little bit? And I looked at how larger than life he was. And, 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 and whenever I was five years old. And now I look at my life, and my son's five years old, and I don't feel larger than life. I, feel, I don't even feel sometimes old enough to be a parent. I'll just be honest. Sometimes I look and I think, man, what does God give me the responsibility, these two, these two boys? And, and, and I look around, I see some gray in my hair, and, and I know it's been some... And, and, and I, I know just intellectually, but, but I don't always feel it there's anybody that you kind of identify with that and I think it's the same in every stage and age of life that that it's so hard to recognize the power of the moment that you're currently in and realizing that it's such a huge huge thing whenever we're right in the middle of our potential that 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 every day is a gift from God and my gift to God is what I do with it what I do with my days is my gift back to God. And whenever I thank Him and just realize that, that whatever it is that you're in the middle of, that, that you are right there on purpose and for a reason, that you're, you're at the place that you are in life for a reason and for a purpose. Here's the second thing. Don't live in the someday of your potential. Don't live in the someday of your potential. You've, you've probably heard the statement before, window of opportunity. That's so good. Because every opportunity does have a window. Every opportunity of our life has a window, and the window's not going to always stay open for us. Every opportunity must be seized in the window of that, of that opportunity. Esther 2.15 says, When the turn came for Esther to go to the king. When the turn came to, for Esther to go to the king. So, so she was at this point of preparation, and then it became her turn to go to the king. And I got thinking about this. What is it your turn to do right now in life? What is it your turn, not then, not one day? What's not, and I'm not talking about your turn next year or, or, or tomorrow. What's your turn to do right now? 
that, that, that be less worried about what you do tomorrow and focus on taking your time today. In other words, seizing the moment today and taking your time and taking your turn that God's given you today. So, so, so if, if I could have you shout your age, like if I, I did that, I, I'm, too, I'm, I'm a lot smarter pastor than to, have, than to do that. But if I were to do that, if I were to have you shout your age, there'd be people in here shouting 16. There'd be people in here shouting 60. There'd be pe- people in here shouting 35 or 40. And I'll simply say this, that it's your turn to be that age. It's your turn to be 25. That's, that's what turn God's given you to do. It's your turn to be 16. The question is, what are you going to do with it? It's your turn, some of you. It's your turn to be a parent right now. And, and it's, you, you think about all, well, my parents weren't this and weren't that. Well, that's, what's gone is gone. Now it's your turn. What kind of turn, what kind of parent, what kind of example are you going to give? Maybe it's your turn to be a grandparent. Take your turn. Take your time. Maybe it's your time or turn to be offended. Maybe you've been hurt recently by people and you're, you're offended deeply. I want to tell you, it's your turn to make a decision how you're going to act when you're offended. It's your turn, maybe some of us, to be unemployed. You think, I didn't want to be this way. I'm, I'm, I'm striving for something. But it's your turn. Are you going to keep trusting God in the middle of that? Are you going to use this? Are you just going to waste this time? Because could it be, could it be that this moment is connected to a destiny that God has for you and you're going to be able to tell a story one day of the moment that you're in right now and the fact that you didn't waste it but you used it for God's glory and you can look at someone right in the eye and say, it's, it's not a wasted moment that you're going through right now but it's a time that God has created for you. Maybe it's your turn to be disappointed. Maybe it's your turn to not have enough. You think, oh, if I could just get to the next... No, 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 no. Take your time right now. It's your time. The question is, how are you going to act in this moment? Maybe it's your time to study and prepare. You think, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this one day. I'm going to do this big grand thing. It's going to change the world. I'm going to have this career. I'm going to have this job. And, but, but, and that's, that's when I'm really going to focus on it. And the reality is, no, 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 no. It's not your turn to do that yet. Right now, maybe it's your turn to sit in school and to do your homework and to, and, and, and to make the right connections and to live for God in the middle of a culture that's, that's it's in all, going in all different directions. Maybe the, what is your turn, what is your time right now? And let's do what Ephesians says is simply to make the most of every opportunity. At all In every moment of life, it will always be your time to do something specific and something significant. There is so much power when you begin to rhythmically value the season that you're in right now and not wait for something else to happen someday, one day. And I want you to know, maybe your past is riddled with some bad choices or mistakes and you think, you know what, uh, my time right now is just, it's full of problems because of the mistakes that I've made or things that people have done to me. I want you to know that it just may be your turn to listen to the voice of God today and, and say, God, I'm ready to change my life. I'm ready to have a brand new start. And maybe it's your turn to bow your knee to Jesus Christ and say I've been tired of doing this my own way I'm ready to give my life to you today God and and I just want to tell somebody it's not over yet 
that, that, that this day, this time, this moment is so significant if we just realize how powerful that it is. Here's the third thing. Recognize that you have untapped potential. Recognize that you have untapped potential. If I were to hold an apple in my hand, that apple is a good snack. But there's more potential in it than that. That, that, that there's a potential of a tree in that apple. And more than that, there's a potential of an orchard in that one apple. And I just want to encourage you to let you know that there's untapped potential in your life. You may be tired, you may be worn out, you may be overwhelmed, you may be bored, you may not like the season that you're in right now, but I just want to tell you that you have untapped potential in your life. And and could it be that God's using this season, this bad chapter, to bring something beautiful out of your story, that there's something untapped that's just waiting for it? Because before that apple can turn into an orchard, it has to go into the ground. It has to go and it has to die. It has to be planted. It has to go to a place that, that's not out in the open. A lot of times we just, want to, we just want everything in our life to be up and to the right. But sometimes what I've learned is God's plan to get us looks like this. It doesn't look like this. Sometimes it looks like this. And then we step into our turn and we think, oh, wow. But those turns were related to that next turn that God had. Here's the fourth thing. Fourth thing. You don't decide your potential, you discover it. You don't decide your potential, you discover it. This is so powerful, so powerful. God is the source of our potential, not ourselves. That God knew the potential that was in our lives before we were even born. That that you don't have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You don't have, I'm somebody, I'm special. You are. Not because you say you are, but because God says you are. There is inherent value. That's why everybody, that's why why we say we're a church for all people. Because, you know why? God put value in all people. God put value in every single person from every station of life, from every race, every color, every tribe, every kindred, every, every socioeconomic. There is value inherent, not because of what people do or don't do, but there's value because of who they are, because God created them. That's what Psalm 139, 13 says, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Man, God made you. He, you were fearfully and you were wonderfully made. Maybe, maybe, maybe your mom and dad said, oh, no. But I want to tell you, God said, oh, yes. Like, you're so valuable to God. Like, you, you're, you're not just a number. You're, you're not just a faceless name in the crowd. But God made you. And he didn't just make you. Watch, it says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be that God has a book all about you and it's the story of his purpose it's the story of his life it's the story of your potential and and here's the problem we tell people this all the time you can be anything you want to be man it sounds so good talking to you hey son Hey, buckaroo, you can be anything you want to be. <laughs> but the reality is it's just not true. That a rabbit will never fly. 
no matter how much he wants to. A bird can't swim. A fish can't climb a tree. If you're, if you're in your 50s today and not in shape, I want to tell you, you're, you're never going to be the next NBA superstar. Like, like you just can't do it like as much as you want to be. There are things that, you know, I look at my kids, I think, son, I just, it's not in the cards, buddy. You know, it's just not in the cards. You got the wrong daddy, you know, like we. I'm, I'm, la- I'm, I'm joking with you today, but this is, this is such a powerful print. And it sounds like I'm being negative, but I promise I'm not. This will set somebody free today. Because here's the truth. You can't be everything you want to be, but you can be everything God created you to be. You can be everything God created. And, and here's the deal. There's so, much, there's so many times in life we don't have the peace because we're trying to be what we want to be. And we're trying to be what everybody else wants us to be. And we're trying to, and the reality is, is there's so much joy. And when we find out, God, what did you make me to be? Like, what did you make me to be? And, and we look at the disappointments in our life and we think, man, if I just wish I could have had that and wish I could be this. I wish I could be taller and I wish I could be shorter and I wish I could be this and I wish I could be that. I want to tell you, God made you the way that you are and there's value in there. And forget trying to be what everybody else in our culture and your mama and everybody. Forget that and become everything God wants you to be. I saw something this week, it was so powerful. Somebody told the story of how they wanted so badly to get into the NFL and it didn't work out right. And then they made the statement that that was, and they they went on to say, because I didn't make it there, because that failure happened there in my life, then I got connected to this and then I got connected to this. And they said, not making it to be a professional football player was the best thing that never happened to me. And I thought, oh God. I look back at my life, the things that I was hoping would work out in certain ways. I look back now and I say, God, I saw your purpose in it all the while. And that was the best thing that never happened to me. Because God, your way really was better than my way. That that your way really was the best thing to do. So let's not compare ourselves. Let's just, let's just... Grab a hold of the time that we're in right now. Let's say, I'm, gonna, I'm taking this time. I'm going to use it for everything God's called me to be. Whatever season I'm in, I'm going to take it and I'm going to use it. And I'm going I'm to be the best. If I'm in a season of study, I'm going to be the best preparer that there's ever been. And then maybe it's a time, a season of career. Or maybe it's a time of relationship. Maybe you're in a time of singleness. Whatever time that you're in, understand every single time is for a purpose and for a reason in our lives. And here's the fifth thing. Simply this, cultivate your potential. Cultivate your potential. You could say that Esther was preparing for a year to be with the king, to be the queen. Because she went... After she was selected, she had a year of preparation. You could say she was preparing to see the king for a year. Or you could say she was preparing for a lifetime to see the king. We say often, man, God can use anybody. And I agree with that. God can use anybody. But there's a caveat to that. It's simply this. God doesn't use anybody before the time. It's right. 
that there's a time that's part of the process of God. And that time is all dependent on what we do in this time. This is so much of my expectation of life and ministry. I, I remember whenever I was a teenager, I felt called into the ministry. And, um, I mean, God, God totally changed my life. I went from being just a cultural Christian that knew all the right things to say, and I tell that story often. And to literally, I felt called into the ministry. I can take you to the day in Louisville, Kentucky, Freedom Hall. It's now torn down, but on the floor of Freedom Hall at a conference, my tears stained in the ground. I felt called to the ministry that day. And I honestly stood up thinking, all right, I got my Bible, I got my calling. Where's the, where's the microphone at? I'm called, baby. I got a ministry. I got something to do for God. Step aside. You look at people preaching, oh, I could do that, you know. But my calling didn't look anything like what I thought it was going to be. Nothing. I thought I was going to go on the stage. But my calling um, looked more like janitorial services. I didn't get a mic. I got a Bible, uh, got a Bible study in my high school. And I started teaching a Bible study in my school on Tuesdays. I started on September the 11th. And um, did a Bible study in my high school. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm called now. And no, and then it went to a bus route, and I'd pick up kids on Sunday mornings to come to church. And I thought, oh, I'm called to preach. And I know I'd, from the Bible study to the bus route to a nursing home service every Tuesday night. And I remember preparing for that nursing home service. It came back to my mind this week. And I mean, I had, this was the day before iPads, and I didn't even have a laptop then. And I mean, I, we had these little Franklin Covey day planners. I don't know if anyone's ever seen one of those before. I mean, I was, I thought I was somebody with my day planner, all leathered out. And I would go and I would take these little day planner papers. And I'd, feed them, I'd feed them through the printer and put my sermons on them. And I'd stand before that group of about 10 people in a nursing home, just a kid. And I'd get up and I'd preach as hard and as, with much passion as I ever had in my life to those people for two years on a Tuesday night. Before my pastor ever, I thought he was going to ask me when I was called, but no. And I... Just got thinking. It, it was all about the time. We, the church had bought this house and um, about five minutes from our church, and it was, it was trashed. It was like a foreclosure. Someone had just totally just abandoned. They had put trash, baby diapers, um, animals, all these kind of things. And then under the crawl space, there were um, just, just drunk, junk and trash. It was so nasty. And the church bought it to be like a house for missionaries as they came through. And, and uh, my pastor asked me to clean it. And I was, I was still in school, and, and so I, I'll never forget, it was middle of winter time, freezing cold, cleaning out trash and old baby diapers and just nasty stuff out of this house. And, and um, I just thank God I had some people in my life that, 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 that show me, that's what, that's what, like, take the time you have. I don't remember complaining about it, I just, it wasn't the funnest thing in the world, but it's what we did, and life went on, and 
few years later, I didn't know that I would eventually become the youth pastor at that church. And uh, I lived in this for three years while I was a youth pastor. Before I got married, I lived in this little apartment next to the church. And man, you could you could like sleep, cook, use about you can like do it all like right there, like within very small space. And but I loved it. It was it was my first place. And I met Kara, and we fell in love and got engaged. And we were fully prepared to live in that little apartment. And that's we were we were registering for things for it, and we were we were just happy to be getting married, and we were going to live in that apartment when we got married. And my pastor came to me, and he said, "Hey, you remember that house, that the missionary house?" He's like, "I was thinking it was it was big, it was nice, because after it got cleaned up, we had contractors in the church that really fixed it up nice." And he said, "Hey, I was thinking, would you like to live in that instead of living in a little apartment? Would you like to live in that house?" And the house that I cleaned the trash out of and took that season, that time, that became the house I brought my bride home to. But if I wouldn't have, if I would have, what do you think, if you think that would have happened if I would have had an attitude and walked off and the job was half done and, hey, you know, I can't believe, I'm called, you know, I should be preaching, not cleaning out this nasty stuff and I should be having it all together, No. Because it's all about what time that you're in right now. What time are you in right now? And, 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 and whether what, what season that you're in, I'm sure that before Esther, before it was time for her to see the king, it was time for her to be an orphan child. And worry, oh, I'm thankful for my cousin, but where's my daddy? I don't know where my daddy is. I wish dad was here and wish mom was here and what, what happened to them and... And right when she worked through that, she started working through the fact, well, I'm a, I'm a Jewish person. I'm not like all these other people, and I'm different, and our family's different. And, and she had to work through that and have a good attitude. And it came time for her to believe God still has a plan. God still has a purpose in my life. And, 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 and then it came time for her to get prepared. And then it came time after she was prepared, she became the queen. And then after she became the queen, it became her time to stand up and speak out, and to save her people, and that's exactly what she did. I just want to encourage you today, perhaps you are come to this place today for such a time as this. And I know there's been unfortunate things that have happened, and things that haven't happened, and all these things, but if, but if, but if you could just hear rhythm today as we conclude this series, I challenge you, take your time today. And be everything God's called you to be with it. Don't live another day as if it's an accident. Don't meet another person as if that relationship is an accident. Realize that God has a purpose and a plan for your days. We're called to say, I'm going to take it. And be what you've called me to be. In Jesus' name.